You're listening to the Know the Cause podcast with Doug Kaufman. Visit us online at knowthecause.com and join the conversation at facebook.com slash knowthecause. You know, I promised each one of these podcasts are going to be different. They're going to be interesting. Well, this is a podcast you'll want to forward to your friends because we're going to define the difference between T medications and P medications, right? The T is for temporary. Most doctors think we need to be on these medicines for the rest of our lives. Uh, These GERD medications are only proven to work for a short period of time, and yet patients stay on them 10 years. Um, What's the difference between a temporary medication and a permanent medication? I think Dr. Mukesh Saraya, who is my guest right now, is going to say knowing the cause. Uh, First, how we met was a miracle. You know, how, how you met Bennett. I knew Bennett Luke for a long period of time. Um, and he called me and said, I'm going to work with this doctor and I want you to meet him. And you and I met and, uh, and both of our worlds changed. What fuels me for the past 46 years, 47 years that I've been in this field is meeting people exactly like you. I'll meet a doctor whose world rocks and that fuels me until I meet the next doctor whose world rocks. As a pulmonologist, board certified, as an internal medicine board certified, you've got a lot of credentials. What changed your attitude between what would become a temporary medication in a patient, steroids, antibiotics, et cetera, and a permanent medication? Well, as a pulmonologist, we see a lot of patients with asthma, COPD. Uh, chronic bronchitis, uh, pneumonia, and over the 27 years of practice that I've had, I've always had the thirst to integrate uh, supplements to go with with the medications. And um, I always use turmeric, NAC, you know, oregano, and so on. And not necessarily understanding how those work either. Uh, Just like you know, you wouldn't understand how an antibiotic works except that it kills the bacteria. Right. So, um, you know, through my experience, through endoscopies, bronchoscopies, culturing, you know, stuff out, seeing an emergence of, uh, of, of fungi, you know, aspergillus and all sorts of things, which did not make a lot of sense to me until I met you, Doug, and, and that did change a lot of things for me. Um, and. and Everything that I was doing, you validated, you know, through through your knowledge, and I'm beginning to understand that these are antifungals. You know, turmeric has been around in India for centuries, and and used for just about everything. You know, um, wounds, um, burns, um, any kind of infection taken internally, taken externally, um, and, and that was one of my my things that I was always recommending. But I think you gave. Um, steam to what I was doing. You know, once I met you, I understood what I was doing uh, in, in a little more, you know, uh, organized way. And, and besides those supplements, you know, in, being introduced to the diet, you know, the phase one diet, has helped me understand that you don't have to necessarily treat everything with antifungals, you know, in terms of antifungal antibiotics, you know, which are, you know, extremely expensive. You know, they're, they're they do help, but there's no proof that they will actually er- eradicate the fungus. And I do understand that until you change your diet, until you stop feeding the fungi, until you, you clean up your environment, you know, such as, you know, what is commonly found in, in schools, and, and it's not 
considered to be uh, anything but just a, a little sniffle and allergy is actually causing, you know, illnesses that we don't understand or recognize. You know, we tend to put a Band-Aid on the problem. Mm. A lot of children, I have school teachers coming to me and say, you know, this fall when I came back, the ceiling was on the floor, you know, through through the, the, the rainfall that we had, you know, during during the springtime. And, and believe it or not, you know, th all these teachers and students are sitting right under the vents, mm. you know, that are, are probably blowing, you know, the, 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 the spores yeah, into the lungs. And then we're treating ADHD and we're treating, you know, all these illnesses and sniffles are being treated with antibiotics, which in turn, I believe, is, is promoting the growth of, of, of fungi, which, which in turn is making the internal milieu of the, of the, of the body into such a, a hodgepodge of of illnesses that that we keep on putting bandaid on the problem. So I, I you know, always understood that, always believed that. But I think I have a better direction now, mm. you know, through your work, in terms of you know looking not just at, at at treating the person when they come in, you know, with their symptoms with prescriptions. Yeah. You know, while you have to do that as a conventional doctor, and it's necessary a lot of times, you really have to go to the root of the problem. You and I have had the opportunity to talk quite a bit. Um, and every conversation I get more information from you. I'm wondering, you know, 30 years ago, 35 years ago in, in medical school, I'm wondering about the physiology, the biochemistry labs and so forth. What was taught, or let's go beyond that, let's go to your residency in pulmonary medicine. Um, what did you learn as a pulmonologist about fungi, in uh, someone inhaling fungus from a vent, or a moldy house and and uh, it harboring in the lungs and so put these people on empirically on either antibiotics or antifungals did when you graduated when you got through your uh, pulmonology residency and became a pulmonologist were you aware were you cognizant that mold was a huge problem well Doug I got maybe two lectures on fungi maybe an hour's worth of nutritional uh, understanding or training um, and that was the extent of what I learned um, say about 40 years ago, you know, when I was in med school. I have three children, two of them are doctors right now, and I converse with them. You know, they're, they're out of OU Medical School, UT Southwestern. They've had the equal amount of, of hours as I have had 30, 40 years ago. And it, it breaks my heart, you know, that we have not yet, you know, understood the importance of uh, diet and nutrition and environment, and it's still being not looked at. And and I think you can't help but think that there are thousands of people out there that are suffering, that are, are being treated like steroids and antibiotic over and over and over again. All they're they're really getting is an anti-inflammatory through through prednisone, which is a very temporary. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll get a steroid shot. You know, when they go to the doctor's office, they'll get a, a gram of rosafine, and then then probably sometimes nothing after yeah. that. Yeah. And they end up, you know, after repeated courses. I think to me, one course of antibiotic in a year is too many. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and by the way, so does science. You're on science aside there. I read something. Now, I'm the conspiracy guy. There had to be somebody else other than Oswald. I'm the conspiracy guy. Um, I read a stat the other day from 2013. I think it was the CDC, Center for Disease Control, said that four out of five Americans, so I did the math, that 280,000, uh, 280 million people, Americans, took antibiotics 
four out of five Americans took antibiotics in the year 2013. Then I did the math. I don't know what an antibiotic costs, but it's probably 50 bucks, let's say. This is a trillion dollar industry run by a medical school largely funded by pharmaceutical interests. Um, and I'm beginning to put one and one together. You don't want this golden goose to go away. You wanna keep pumping antibiotics into everyone, but here's the truth, folks. We're now finding that antibiotics are creating antibiotic resistance. We're finding they're creating antifungal resistance. And here's what Dr. Soraya is saying. Do we really need to go down there if we're using turmeric and NAC and acetylcysteine, which is a precursor of glutathione? Do we really, if we're following along a certain diet that starves organisms that can cause disease in our tummies or in our windpipes, do we need all these drugs? So as I opened today and said, so many people listening right now are on blood pressure and statin medication for the rest of their lives, but they don't know there's an option. And I think what I'm hearing from you is, once you know the cause, the options become plain. I agree with you, Doug. And I believe um, that knowing the cause, cleaning up your diet, cleaning up your environment. Um, and as a, as a doctor that's trained, you know, with allopathic medicine, I, I do believe there's a place for it, but mm -hmm. it has to be Me temporary. Too. Me too. I mean, if I get in a car wreck I'm, and my arm's hanging off, I'm not going to put a turmeric poultice on it, right? No. You know, there's a, there's a place for uh, emergency medicine so, in allopathic. Absolutely. I mean... Not, not, not to stop the medicines you're taking right now, not to, but if you were to clean the rest of it up, you know, there's a very good chance that you can taper off, you know, and do it under a doctor's supervision. Of course. There's a place for antibiotics, there's a place for your high blood pressure medications, you can't stop those things, but stop eating the salt, you know, stop, you know, stop eating the, 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 the processed foods that are feeding the fungi in your system, you know, and releasing toxins. I've got physicians, I had a physician in my office yesterday who got divorced uh, after 40 years of marriage. Oh, and, and he said his wife was bipolar. And, you know, I, I see him like once every six months or so. He updates me on his social life mm -hmm. and so on. And I asked him, I said, do you have mold in your home? And he said, quite possibly. They're in, a, in an older home. Uh, and I, I pointed out to him, this is a, a retired uh, or soon to retire, uh, you know, surgeon. A, a friend of mine, right. and I was so sorry to hear this, and, and, and it occurred to me to ask him this question. I said, do you feel like there is mold in your home? And he said, quite possibly, and he's depressed himself. He's on, on some antidepressants right now. The wife had bipolar disorder and left him after 40 years of marriage, and a, and a good marriage. And, and I said, something triggered this. And, and I pointed out to him that it quite might, quite might be a mycotoxin, you know, being released by by the fungi in his bathroom, you know, that leads to all this toxic, you know, products and, 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 and toxicity in your brain where you stop thinking, Ugh. you know, where you cannot, you know, function, you can't focus, you, 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 I've seen this, you know, people, you know, that have been exposed to mold and know that they've been exposed will tell you they get headaches, they get dizzy, yes. they get tremors. Yeah. I've got patients being treated for Parkinson's disease when they need to be cleaning up their environment. Because some of these mycotoxins are tremorigens. Absolutely. Isn't that fascinating? Absolutely. They can make you tremor. I mean, so Ruth and I sold our home a couple of years ago out here that we raised the kids in. We started looking for a nice home out here where we live. One of the homes took us to this great mid-century home. And the realtor said, well, the furniture is still there, but both 
of them died of cancer. Oh, how sad. One of them was lung cancer. The other was leukemia. Oh, how sad. They were older. They were in their 60s. Wait a minute, I'm in my 60s. You know, that's not older. Um, so we go in this house, and we literally step four paces in, and we start coughing. The mold in that house. Where I'm going with this is, I have published on mold-induced cancer, mold-induced genetic mutations that look like, for all intents and purposes, cancer. Um, and so it didn't shock us at all. And here's the take-home message, folks. The realtor walked right in, walked around, got herself a glass of water and said, what's wrong? You, we said, you don't smell that? Teachers don't in a classroom. Realtors don't. I mean, it's amazing how accustomed we have become to inhaling mold. And then we run from doctor to doctor feeling miserable. And what do we get? Another cortisone round, another antibiotic, and the antibiotic just keeps feeding the yeast that's causing that. I mean, this is, I've been at this 46, 47 years, but you knew this even before we met. You had a hunch what you were pulling out of people's bronchial trees was yeast, mold, mildew, and fungus, but most pulmonologists don't. Well, the today, you know, most pulmonologists believe that this is a contaminant. That fungus. That fungus is, is yeah. a contaminant. You yeah. know, it's not to be no taken seriously. Yes. And in fact, if your pulmonologist were to send off a culture, unless it's asked for, they will not specify what the fungus is. That it's down the way the report reads is is yeast, not cryptococcus, and no further workup will be done. And in in a person that's not really looking for it. You know, it, it just reflects a contaminant. It does not reflect a pathogen. You know, and they dismiss it. And they continue to treat, even knowing that this is all there was, you know, growth in there, they continue to treat with antibacterials because they're afraid if not, then this person's gonna, gonna get the super infection with other super bugs. So what I started doing, I started noticing this several years ago, that you know, when somebody's in the ICU and I've scoped them, they're on the ventilator, I scope them, find the fungus. I want to treat them with nothing but what I find. You know, I don't want to treat for things that are hypothetically there. You know, it just doesn't make sense. So treating that, I've seen people come off the ventilator a whole lot faster than, than treating them with antibacterials that don't go anywhere, besides yeah. you know, creating more problems. Yeah. So I think that while it's important to identify what, what is going on, the medicines are, be, are to be used temporarily. I think the fastest way to health is clean up your diet. Wow. You know, clean up your environment. Your environment and the cleanest homes. You should have seen this home my wife and I went in. Spotless. Yeah. They would seem like they're, right. uh, they're a steel, you know. Right. When, when you <laughs> and we couldn't breathe in and there. You couldn't breathe and in. And both of these people died of cancer. It's just so good to sit down with a guy like you who fuels me. You know, this wasn't my discovery. This is God's discovery. This is discussed in Leviticus. Uh, you know, Moses and Aaron, I'm giving you this land as your possession. Uh, and if I put a spreading mildew in a house in that land, you must go and tell the high priest. Why not butterflies? You know, why not lampshades? Why a spreading mildew? And the NIV Bible, I, I wasn't aware of this until a few years ago. The NIV Bible says, why was this mildew so dangerous? It was a fungus that could cause disease. No medical textbook says that, but a really, really old book talks about this thousands of years ago. Why are medical schools not teaching this? Now, let's talk about the temporary medications versus the permanent. 
you're familiar with Stanton drugs. Absolutely. I think a scare was created. We brainwashed people into believing they wouldn't have a heart attack if they're on these drugs, but they are now, with a capital P, permanent. Hey, my cholesterol went down 20 points. Good, you stay on that statin drug the rest of your life. Hypertension medications, absolutely the same. GERD medications, absolutely the same. By the time you're my age, you know, I'll be 68 here pretty soon. By the time you're my age, you're on an average of five medications and told just to stay on them the rest of your life. Are you more comfortable from a liability standpoint and from a clinical practice standpoint using things like turmeric, using things like NAC, um, that you are comfortable, have a good impact on your patient and don't have the liability associated with taking a medication long term? Could people substitute their pills? You said it best. The genius of the pharmaceutical industry, folks, is it's not only quite controversial to start you on these drugs empirically, like antibiotics. The genius is getting off drugs, like blood pressure medicine and statin drugs, is just as tricky as putting you on them. So don't stop them by yourself. Let your doctor teach you how to titrate down. I'm not on any medication at my age, but I do use plants. You know, Absolutely. if I get a sore throat, I'm going to use grapefruit seed extract and, you know, things around me, a hot bath and so forth to calm a, a fever. Um, this is where I think, do you, do you think the paradigm is shifting to your way of thinking? I believe so. I, I, I think uh, if it don't shift, we're in trouble. You yeah. know, I, I believe that um, the, the cost of the drugs have skyrocketed. Dif uh, not diphosporinox. Uh, sporinox, you know, which is a generic drug, has been around forever, can cost thousands of dollars a month. The newer drugs, in the the, the voriconazole and the mm -hmm. and the hydroconazole and the 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 the, the, the newest is the Crescemba, you know, very mm -hmm. specific mm -hmm. for aspirin. So why they work? They're costing about ten thousand dollars. I mean, patients come back to me and laugh and say, "I'm not going to take this," you know. And 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 going back to your statins, your high blood pressure medication, by no means am I saying they're not necessary, mm -hmm. but I do believe that you know if the diet changed. You know, and, and that's a problem. For GERD, talking about GERD. So I don't take any PPIs, any, any proton pump inhibitors, which are believed to be, you know, the thing to do. You know, if you had GERD, if you don't take it, you're going to get Barrett's, so you're going to get cancer and so on. That's a scare that's out there. And, and gastroenterologists wholeheartedly believe this. And what happens there, you know, when I go out to an Italian restaurant and eat all the free, you know, appetizers that you get, I'm going to come back with a heartburn. You know, I, when I eat the, 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 you know, the, the bread that I should not be eating, I, I recognize it and I eliminate that. If I were to take, be taking a PPI or, or mm -hmm. Protonics or Nexium, I would not even know that I would hurt myself. Wow. You know, so same thing with ice tea. You're just suppressing. You're just suppressing. You know, when, when you take medications, you're putting, mm -hmm. you're covering up the symptoms and you continue to hurt yourself. You continue to, to be a victim. Now, Adding, you just said, you know, somebody that's 60 years old would be on, on five different medications. All the generic drugs right now, the, the prices have skyrocketed. You know, a lot of people believe this is R&D money that, that they're paying into. These drugs have been around forever. Right. A doxycycline that you should be able to get for $4 now costing $100. I mean, by the time you add up these medications, you know, each drug is priced to cost you $10 uh, a day. Blood pressure medications, you know, antibiotics, Zithromax, that should cost you 
you know, five dollars. It's dirt. It's dirt. Soil-based organism. It is now sixty, seventy dollars. You know, at the pharmacy. Really. And and it's unbelievable. And the only way that you can get away from these drugs is by cleaning up what you're eating, cleaning up your environment. And it is not as difficult as one might think it is. Just yeah. being aware of it. You know, as yeah. I'm now aware of it, I've I've had patients come to me from allergies. You know, they sit down and they say, you know, I go to this great allergist, I get my shots, and, and I'm still sniffling a little bit. I said, has that allergist ever asked you, you know, where you live, where you work, you know, what kind of work you do, uh, what's going on in your environment? And believe it or not, I, I was the same way, you know, a year ago, you know, until we started kind of looking to see what else is going on out there. Because otherwise, that patient's going to come back to, to me over and over. It's, it's, it's great revenue. That's not what I'm looking for. Yeah, they're, because there are occupational hazards. Uh, folks, if, if you're a plumber, and you met one today, if you're a plumber crawling under wet spaces under a home... You're exposed to mold. Listen, your lifespan, uh, it's funny, we had air conditioning put into a building we have out here, and uh, I forget the guy's name, but a year later we had some air conditioning problems, so I called him and his mom said he died. And he couldn't even breathe when he was putting in our air conditioner. And so there are occupational hazards. Are you working out tilling the soil? You know, are you turning it over? Are you working in the garden a lot? You're exposed to fungi in the soil over and over again. Dramatic, it's time to say goodbye to you, but before I let you go, because you're such a wealth of information, any dramatic turnarounds that uh, two years ago you may not have caught and you're now helping people? Uh, the last three or four months have been absolutely miraculous. I mean, you know, I, I find myself um, getting more and more excited about what I'm doing. I'm in my 27th year of, of practice. And when I look at my colleagues, I see them down and depressed about healthcare and everything else. And when they look at me, they're, they're wondering what I'm drinking, you know. <laughs> What's in the Kool-Aid, right? The excitement <laughs> that, that exists in my practice is it, just absolutely amazing. And it's all thanks to you, Doug. You know, I think we've always had that fire, but I think you just fueled it, you know, tremendously. And, and I think when we have patients coming to me and coming back and showing me that they've lost four inches around their waist and, and they're breathing better and they're, they're you know, they're, they're, they're sleeping better and, and, and all sorts of things that... You know, by no means would I ever say that you don't need medications, but I think that, that adding, you know, this factor into, mm. into the, their lives and making them understand. You know, and I think that it, a lot of information is out there. A lot of people are, are getting the information through the Internet and so on. A lot of them are very confused about what to do. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I think it takes a, a doctor who should look at himself as a healer, you know, to, to point to them in the right direction. If, if I didn't understand, you know, how Doug's diet worked or, or whether it worked or not, I don't think I would be able to convince my patient, you know, to right. follow. Because there right. are tons of diets out there, you know, yeah. lots of lots of different, you know. I have understood, you know, in the last three months that it's not just going to be antibiotics, antifungals. You know, I've understood it's going to be the environment. Yeah. I've understood it's going to be the, the diet, you know, and how the, how, you know, it changes everything. Depression's not a lack of Prozac, you know. <laughs> it's not a deficiency of Prozac. Yeah. It's 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 a chemical mil, you know mildew in in your brain that is going wrong with with things like, you know, gliotoxins, you know, that, mm -hmm. that are, are causing problems. Mm -hmm. So if we can, you know, detox a person with antimicrotoxins, antifungals, 
I believe that a lot of these issues are going to get better. You know, you need your doctor to guide you along. You know, you need you, you need somebody like Doug Kaufman, you know, to kind of kind of guide them. And you know, like I mentioned in an earlier, you know, kind of interview with you, that CF patient, cystic fibrosis patient sitting in front of me at a restaurant did not look like one because she took matters in her hand. You know, while she had a pulmonologist, and I asked her, have you, have you ever you, been You were sitting up? there with your daughter having lunch. Having lunch, yeah. absolutely. And, and, and she, you know, our conversation interested them enough that they interjected. In fact, we sat on the same table after, before the, the end of the, the, <laughs> the, the lunch and, and had a fascinating conversation about what she was doing. And she had taken it upon herself. A young woman. A young woman, 32 years old. That you would never know had cystic fibrosis, which, folks, is a genetic disorder. I have to wonder if there isn't a fungal component to it somehow. But you must have been overjoyed, you know, talking to her. It was fascinating. And she knew most of what I was saying. Yep. And I added a few more things to that. And I may never see the young lady again. She did take my name and, and address, and yep. I, this was in Dallas. I practiced mm -hmm. in Denver, 30 miles away. Mm -hmm. I told her, I said, I'm not expecting you in the office. But try this couple of things out. Wow. You know, but I know she's going you know, to do better for that. And the remarkable thing, before I let you folks go, she was managing her, her disease with her fork. Yes. And that's what you now teach. Absolutely. Do you think you can ever overcome a serious disease like that? You can manage it. You know, you can manage it besides your standard antibiotics and, and, and so on. So yeah. uh, I truly, uh, CF is a difficult you know, yeah, disease to, to manage. And, yeah. uh, uh, you know, I, 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 I truly believe, and I've had some CF patients in the past that I've not looked at it from that angle. Yeah. And, 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 and I kind of feel like if, if more physicians, you know, participated in, in an all-rounded uh, approach, I, I truly believe that would be a blessing for the patients. Well, let me tell you why I just love meeting with you and talking with you and, and looking at a bigger picture here, which Bennett and, and you and I kind of are with some friends. Um, guys like you fuel me. Um, this has been a difficult 46 years, you know, all by myself, being beat up by a community. The cause of cancer is fungus. Ha, 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 ha. Um, and so every time I meet, I told you about this oncologist who was here a few weeks ago. And you, being a pulmonologist, internal medicine doctor, more and more doctors, I won't call it jumping ship, but folks, they're not hospitalizing their patients. They're working in their own practices to assist you in understanding maybe what the cause is, but if it is the cause, let me teach you how we're gonna manage it. We're gonna manage it from a standpoint of not putting your liver uh, you know, out there on the line and make it a dangerous drug for you. We're going to use natural supplements. We're going to change your diet. And I'm going to ask you to set some Petri dishes and an air cleaner uh, into your home. And I want to see you in two weeks and see if you're not doing much better. That's what I brought to Dallas 30 years ago, October, working with uh, several doctors at Medical City Dallas. Their lives were changed. And I'm so glad to see that a, a man of your quality has seen the light and really making a difference in all those patients. Well, Doug, you do make a difference. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. uh, and I believe that's what we're all here for. You know, I, I, we, we've got to educate. And, and besides trusting your own doctor, I mean, I don't know how else, you know, you can get there. Yeah. Um, and a lot of patients do understand and realize that there is more to the, to, the, to the treatment than just prescriptions. So I'm looking at a guy, I don't know your age, 
58, uh, 60 years old, no gray hair, perfectly black hair. He takes supplements every day, he exercises. I mean, um, you're living this lifestyle that you wish your peers would join you in. I sometimes uh, feel sorry, you know, for my colleagues that yeah. are, and they're struggling. These are great physicians. They're, they're well-credentialed. Uh, yeah. They have as much ex experience as I do. And yet, you know, they may not embrace the, 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 the combination treatments that, that, that uh, you know, I'm, I'm current, or I've always done, you know, but, but refined it more so recently. And I see the frustration in their eyes. You know, I, I see the frustration that they're living. You know, as healthcare changes, the cost of medicines, I, there's not a single day that I'm not preaching to my patients about why they should take better care of themselves, you know, in terms of diet and yep. exercise yep. and so on. Because I think medicines are going to let you down. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going to let you down. They're, they're, it's a very, very temporary. We see celebrities and, and, and well-known public figures going in and out of the hospitals. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. my own sister-in-law, you know, retired anesthesiologist, you know, went into the hospital for three days for a atrial fibrillation that was, you know, basically nothing to do with what she's in the hospital now. Mm -hmm. Two days after she's in the hospital, she comes home, does well. Two days later, she's in the hospital with a fever of 105 degrees. Exposed to bugs. Exposed to bugs in the hospital. Yeah. And it is so scary. I've been, I have been in practice for 27 years, of which the last, the first 25 of them were spent half in the office, half in the hospital. I right now don't want to walk through the ICU because it, I, I get a cringe in my in my gut every time I do that because I know what's going on there. Yeah. You know, I, 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 these are great doctors. They save lives. Uh, you know, machines save lives. But I also worry about the superbugs we are creating. I worry mm -hmm. about you know the, the the process. We can't do without antibiotics, but if used inappropriately, you know, if overused, yeah. and I think most of us know that. I mean, yeah. it's out there. Yeah. You know that we're running out of antibiotics to treat the bacteria. You know, and, and problem is we are treating bacteria when it doesn't exist. Yeah, that's right. Empirically, we use more antibiotics than any other drug. I want to end this segment on this. I worked at Medical City in 1988 with Dr. David Weekly, board-certified derm. Dr. Dennis Bodwin, board-certified family and derm. Um, and the patients would ask us if, if the doctors could prescribe... Sporinox, which was a brand new generation drug, it, Lamisil, and Diflucan came on around the same time, different approach to antifungals, instead of Diflucan, because you see, Diflucan was a dollar a pill, and Sporinox was only 80 cents a pill. And now what I've gleaned from you today is that Sporinox is $10,000 a month. Several thousand dollars. Several. So if it's two thousand, yeah, it used to be eighty cents. You yes. know, it used to be twenty. A drug that should be getting cheaper and cheaper as time goes. Yeah, is getting more and more expensive. Yeah. Okay. And by the way, they just repurposed Sporinox for cancer treatment. Isn't that fascinating? So what causes cancer? I'm going to leave you guys with that. Dr. Mukesh Saraya, dear buddy of mine, thank you for your time, and most importantly, thank you for your heart. Thank you, Doug, for having me. Thank you for listening to the Know the Cause podcast with Doug Kaufman. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating on iTunes or tell a friend. For more, visit us online at knowthecause.com. 
or like us on Facebook at facebook.com/knowthecause. <laughs>